is getting that space to understand how the skills that you've got can actually be applied to what it is that you're thinking of doing. And once you mm-hmm. strip away a lot of that mystery, then actually things start to come together a lot more quickly. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Jo is interviewing Lucy Standing of Vuvo. Jo was introduced to Lucy via Paula Gardner but in conversation Jo and Lucy realised that they have a mutual connection in Cathy Brown from show number one. Former exec director from Engage for Success, Lucy co-chaired an event with Cathy last year. Lucy is founder of, of Vuvo, a website to help people who want to change career by giving them chances to talk to meet and shadow experts already doing the job. She is also Vice Chair of the Association for Business Psychology, a professional body in the UK for business psychologists. Prior to her ambitions as a social entrepreneur, she worked as a consultant, hotel owner and graduate recruitment manager. Lucy is a chartered psychologist and associate fellow of the British Psychological Society BPS as well as being a principal practitioner of the ABP. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Lucy Standing of Vuvo, another of our lovely guests uh, recommended by the lovely Paula Gardner. So hi Lucy, great to have you with me. Hi Joe. very nice to be here. Yeah, and I saw Paula yesterday and I said to her, do you know what, we're running out of creative ways of explaining that you've put us in touch with somebody because you come up with so many brilliant people. (laughs) So we're going to go for the non-creative versions moving forwards, I think. (laughs) It's good to have a good network, though. Good for us. It is, exactly. So start by telling us a, a bit about you, what you do and where you do it. Um, So my name is Lucy Standing. I've always been a psychologist by background um, and I started off working in a large corporate, I think, as most people do. Um, And what I found was I I was running graduate recruitment um, and I found that people who I had recruited through internships, by comparison to people who I hadn't, who had just come in off the graduate programme, were happier getting better line manager ratings and were getting higher bonuses as a percentage of their salary, which I don't think should be rocket science to any of us, that if you experience something, you probably make a better decision. Um, But yes, I think the world of work almost doesn't work on that assumption. Um, You know, we don't really marry people without dating them. We probably don't view houses without or buy houses without viewing them. Yet when it comes to the world of work, actually, we are kind of expected to jump in blindly, which given the amount of different variables there are that can predict whether or not you're happy at work just seems like a bit of a crazy way of going about it. So mm. I, the, the Vivo concept really came about because I was just thinking, actually, can we simplify this? Can we help people make better decisions by giving them chances to experience their dream job before they commit to it? Yeah. Um, 
And so, I, yeah, I piloted it with a couple of friends who were just literally looking to do a few things. I think my best story is a friend of mine who thought he wanted to run a hotel in the Lake District. And I said to him, you know, before you do that, just go and shadow my brother, because at the time, my brother and I were running a hotel together. Um, and after just doing it for one day, he decided that running a hotel was no longer his dream job. And that actually... <laughs> <laughs> what he wanted to do was just to buy a business. Um, I mean, sorry, a house in the Lake District and then to do walking tours as a business. So there the idea started and that's where we've got to now. Lovely. And where do you do that? Do you work from home? Do you have an office? Do you work out and about? Yeah, I work from home largely. I mean, I think kitchen table is my mm -hmm. my main office at the I am up and about in London fairly regularly because I guess a big part of getting to people to be mentors on the site is me contacting organisations and saying to them, look, you know, if you've got people within your business who like their work, they're good at it and they're happy to be a career mentor to other people, then why not be on my website? Because actually then it's really quite a great way to raise money for charity. So anyone who pays money to spend time talking to those experts is then a donation on your company's behalf to a charity you want to support. Mm. It's interesting. Um, I remember going to a, an IOD meeting a number of years ago, just when I was getting back into the whole employee engagement space, and there was a panel interview with some business owners. So uh, small business owners, I don't know, they probably had 30, 40, 50 employees, that sort of um, size. Mm. And uh there was a discussion around recruitment and i can't remember how it all went um other than the fact that we ended up talking about the idea of people coming in for sort of trial days as part of their recruitment process and it was really interesting because i sort of said you know i suggested something like this or said that i'd done that in a previous corporate role that i had or whatever it was and um and the guy one of the guys on the panel said oh no we wouldn't want to to do that and we were like why not and he said or you know, wouldn't want um, candidates to be talking to the employees. It'd probably put them off. <laughs> and I, and I was just sitting there thinking, you have much bigger problems than recruitment. Then I would suggest. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's that's just kicking the problem into the grass to deal with at a later date. At which point it's more expensive and harder to deal with. So it's just yeah. the most ridiculous reaction. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And and you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, if that's the issue, then that's the issue. Don't make it a recruitment problem. It's a culture problem. It's an organisation problem. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So um, you also do something else, don't you? <laughs> You're a, yeah. a vice chair of, a, of an association. Tell us more about that. Well, in a vice chair capacity, so it's not just me. Obviously, there's an entire board of, of people that get involved. Um, but I've been involved now since about 2000, and, mm, probably 12 or 13. Um, and it's the ABP is the, the Association for Business Psychology. Mm -hmm. So in the UK, there are a number of master's courses that people can do if they want to specialise in the field of, you might want to call it occupational psychology, organisational psychology. We tend to refer to it as business psychology. Um, and yeah, so we get involved with accrediting those master's courses, run conferences, um, publish books. We run speaker events. Fairly all-encompassing role. So in effect, what I'm doing is an organization kind of alongside doing what I'm doing and I, but I would say that the two have got some quite heavy overlap um I mean like last October our big conference or sorry the October that's just gone uh, the conference that we ran was all around the new career deal and actually how the career revolution is shaping how companies will in the future start to 
recruit people, how they'll develop people, train people and so on, which is, you know, kind of incredibly on topic with the work that I do. So there is a natural overlap between the two, which makes it a pretty good fit. Mm-hmm. So as you say, there's sort of a, a link between the sort of two things that, that you do, but also as you've also said having started in corporate you're doing something quite different and yet connected to to what you started out doing or why do you do what you do now how have you got to where you've got to um well I mean I do it I guess first first and foremost because I'm a bit foolhardy and and probably a bit stupid but (laughs) I I just it's it's just one of those things isn't it so you you know I kind of go to the school gate my life has changed a little bit my my priorities for what I want to do and how I want to live my time have shifted so you know, I, I don't necessarily want to be working for somebody else who will then dictate the hours of my work and when I can work. Um, but then I've just got this nagging thing that just sort of said, well, actually, I think I think organisations can just do a much better job of recruiting people. Um, and I think people themselves can make can do a much better job of selecting what kind of jobs will actually best suit their strengths and abilities. So I think when you just start to have a nagging idea, it begins to be one of those things that you would I would rather try this and fail than not do it. Um, so hence the stupidity. Um, I think I think a certain amount of just stubbornness and relentless determination, probably not not bad ingredients. Um, but I just in my there is just so much evidence for it, um, you know, both in terms of what I'm doing. I, I know the results that I'm getting and the difference that we're making to people's lives. So that that's probably the biggest motivator of all. Yes. Yeah. And so, so talking about the the, the, the sort of shadowing and giving people that opportunity to, to see how things are before they sort of move forwards is is that the focus that, that it's about people doing something very different or or is it for anybody so um people who uh are wanting mm. to go and work somewhere anyway or is it about doing something quite different for them you mentioned obviously the the beginning point being your friend wanting to be a hotel owner and ending up being a walking holiday type mm. person so that was quite different for him is do you do you sort of differentiate between those two or is or is it across the board so I mean I I'm a bit of a pimp I guess I will work with anyone however (laughs) the service is designed really for people who are looking at this as being something to start over but ideally after they've been doing something for a number of years because Mm -hmm. um, you know there's only there's only actually about sort of 32 different skills for any job so any job in the world anytime any place anywhere so for example to be a good doctor the factor that most predicts whether or not a doctor will get sued is their ability to build relationships with parents with um, patients um, you know likewise a good partner in a big accountancy firm needs to be able to build good relationships with clients so you know those sorts of skills that undermine that empathy listening and so on are very very transferable and they're very um they're much more limited if you like than the knowledge or the expectations that people would have you believe so people tend to overestimate the importance of knowledge and they drastically underestimate the importance of skill because knowledge mm. is quite easy to acquire but skill mm. is very hard to develop over time you know and I can explain the rules of tennis to you in five minutes but to be a brilliant tennis player takes years and years of skill yeah. um, and, and so that's that's really the key I mean I think it's when people have actually worked for some time, they start to get an awareness of what skills they have. And then transferring that into something else that they do um, is is easier because you've got an idea of what you like and what you don't like, whereas someone who's never worked before doesn't have the benefit of that experience. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I um, 
do some work with the Strengths Finder um, that was Gallup and is now called the Clifton Strengths Finder. Um, and I did it myself years ago. I don't know how many years ago, 15 years ago, maybe. And then like you do, you know, put it to one side, you know, well, that's interesting, put it to one side. And it yeah. was only a sort of couple of years ago that I actually got it back out and started to uh, really look at it in lots of detail and actually realized that the, my top five strengths are the things that funny enough I'm really good at I really enjoy and help me to do the best work you know if I find work that fit those that fits those strengths that you know it works the best it's like oh really <laughs> um, so you know it's interesting isn't it how we don't always understand those things about ourselves and actually when we do and when we think about what we do well and we find a role that allows us to do that it all sort of slots into place <laughs> funny enough <laughs> yeah I mean I, th I think what I'm finding is it's it's too early for me to say that here's a here's a study from which you can generalize the findings but what I'm finding for example with women is really interesting because women will typically approach a day of shadowing and they're very keen to tell me to make sure that the expert that they're shadowing knows 100% that they've got no background experience, that they won't know what they're doing, that their business plan is going to be terrible, um, you know, to expect a lot of idiocy and, and, you know, and goodness knows what. They then will go and shadow that person for the day. And, you know, on paper, maybe you don't know anything about a point of sale terminal in a cafe. But actually, when someone explains it to you and takes you through the steps and you've run up a couple of um, invoices yourself and see how easy it is, all of a sudden you start to think, well, I can actually do that and I can pick that up quite quickly. So even though I don't necessarily have the experience of it, I now know I can get that experience quite quickly and I now know it's not scary. So by the yeah. end of the day, women are quite, um, you know, I would say much more likely to turn around and say, why have I waited five years to do this? Um, yes. And so it's that, again, it's, it's just applying, it's getting that space to understand how the skills that you've got can actually be applied to what it is that you're thinking of doing. And once you mm -hmm. strip away a lot of that mystery, then actually things start to come together a lot more quickly. Mm -hmm. And I guess in that scenario, you're unlikely to get someone who doesn't like talking to people trying that job out in the first place. But, um, you know, that's the sort of the the residual skill, if you like, isn't it? That, that's the sort of thing that will make it really enjoyable for them. As you say, learning how to press some buttons on a on a till is is quite easy to learn and you don't need to have that uh sort of innate skill to do that it, that that's sort of a, almost a process that gets you the end result but the actual bit yeah. about enjoying talking to people and serving people is probably the bit that is most important and if you don't like that that'd be quite obvious in, in that moment won't it yeah it will i mean i think one of the things that um put off my friend steve from running a restaurant was being a ceo one day and having a certain level of conversation and being used to the way that people spoke to him and then suddenly being in a restaurant with having people yeah, talk down to him was perhaps the wrong <laughs> yeah but exactly that excuse me yeah. where's my bill i asked for this 10 minutes ago um yeah, you know that actually yeah. gives you an emotional reaction that you're not prepared for you know every, mm -hmm. everyone would go into a restaurant and think how would I run this better and what would I do differently and how would I design it and what would the decorations look like and how would I price it you know but the reality is a very different kettle of fish and it's that yeah. subtlety of those sorts of granular little experiences that have an emotional re reaction which as I say you know a lot of the time you just don't predict we're very yeah. bad at predicting you know the future and, and how things will work out for us you really do just need to get the experience to know that it is or isn't going to be right for you.
Yes, actually, you just reminded me of a, a little uh, story. When I had my first uh, admin job, I worked for Curry's like 30 years ago, and uh, I was a part-time uh, assistant, and the full-time administration assistant hated admin and used to dream of working in a sweet shop because she believed that you wouldn't have to do any admin. <laughs> and I've many years, you know, many a time over the years thought about her and thought, you know what, you still would have had to do stock control or paying your invoices or cashing up your till or, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so funny. So what what's your advice? What best advice can you give to someone who wants to change their career, who who is thinking about doing something different? What 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 would you say to them? Um I would I would say to as much as possible try and kind of act on it. So so rather than think about it, rather than watch videos about it. I would encourage them to go and talk to people who are actually doing that job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes you know the shadowing thing. I, I I don't own shadowing. I'm not I'm not saying to people they have to come to me. They can absolutely go and do that themselves. Ask to do some work experience. Ask to get involved. Um, there are some jobs where that's easier than others. So you know, getting involved in running a floristry business is a hell of a lot easier than going and you know, shadowing a book author, which doesn't really provide opportunity to shadow very much and sitting next to someone as they write for a day, isn't that helpful? <laughs> um, but but being prepared and asking lots of questions. I mean, I think I think if you've got a list of questions before the beginning of the day, that certainly helps. But the reality is, it's only by being with someone who can then start to talk, because half the time you don't know what you don't know. So if yeah. I start to talk to, say, a book author, and they open up a conversation about I don't know, patents or publishers or literary festivals, they start to then open up ideas to me that perhaps I not, might not have thought of before. So it, it's the dialogue, really. And because that's so crucial as to how we we think and how we feel and how we formulate ideas and opinions, the value really is in that dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you can learn an awful lot. I mean, I think, you know, if I I don't have to shadow a B&B to have a conversation with a B&B owner that might tell me, you know what? Don't put your business on Booking.com as a, you know, a, as a tip because if you do, that's going to kill your margins. Now, that doesn't necessarily take me experiencing it to learn the value of that insight. That just takes the value of a conversation. So you can still get, even if you can't necessarily experience the jobs that you're thinking of doing, you're still going to get a huge amount of value from a conversation. But it has got to be a conversation. You know, at some yeah. point, you've got to get out of the comfort zone of research and reading articles and blogs, and you do just have to get out there and talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the and the worst case scenario is people will say no because of course they're going to say no. But I think unless you know, my experience, if I'm approaching experts and I'm trying to say, right, I would like you to be an expert on my website, you know, I, I'll approach ten people and maybe two or three will show some interest. So unless someone's approaching at least ten people and getting eight or nine rejections, they're just not trying hard enough. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you just reminded me of a, a, a local restaurant here who's only been open about six months and I've seen that they've um they've closed their doors and it it reminded me that quite often having way back in my corporate career I worked for a company that franchised and we had so many issues where people would scrape all their money together to buy the franchise and then didn't have any money to actually operate the business and I you know I thought about this this restaurant I thought I bet that's what's happened they had enough to carry them through for you know four six months or whatever and now you know that they haven't got that buffer and therefore they're not able to keep trading and uh, it's that sort of valuable information that that they presumably missed in their um 
or maybe they just yes. couldn't find the extra money, I suppose. But you know, it's the sort of, that's the sort of questioning you can imagine would or answers that, that would be really helpful to people. So yeah. what about on the other side? If you're an organization and and you've got people who are looking to you for thoughts or help around changing career, whether that be people leaving your organization or, or joining your organization from something different, what what advice do you have for them? Um, I would certainly say to organizations. If, if, if they're looking at recruiting people into their organisations, I would certainly say to them that one of the things they have to do is to let people come in and do some shadowing of the jobs themselves. Primarily because I think if you look at the recruitment processes that most employ, you know, I mean, according to CIPD, you know, over 70% of organisations use just um, an interview, um, which in terms of predicting whether or not people will actually do well in that job, you know, it kind of predicts success. Yeah, on a good day with the woman I any yeah, there's a wide range but on a really really good day the best type of interview process you can get you're looking at maybe about 0.3 correlations so about 18 percent return um and it's just not it's just not good enough you know the best recruitment methods will be a combination of things so it might be a bit of a general mental ability test it might be um, an informational interview it will probably be a job sample of some description but even then the best you're going to get to is about 38 percent prediction level there's still 50% mm. of the pie that's unaccounted for. And that 50% of the pie is the candidate. You know, so the misguided assumption by most organizations is that, you know, they have the power and they do, they have the power to make a selection decision. They do not have a power to make an engagement decision. And that yeah. power rests with the individual. So if, if the individual knows, because I don't know anyone who wants to do a job they will be bad at. Most people want to do well and they can start making that assessment the minute they walk in through the door. You know, there's over 300 different factors that start to play into whether or not people will be engaged in their job. For some people, it'll be the marble reception desk and the trappings of the environment. You know, other people, they, they'll be turned on more by the colleagues, the flexibility. Um, you know, there's a whole range of different reasons, but allowing people to experience that and start to make some of those decisions for themselves and to allow more of an element of self-selection would be by far and away. And certainly as far as the evidence is concerned, a far better way of boosting their recruitment success. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think in terms of, you know, perhaps even managing out of the organization. I mean, I think, again, I think organizations are, you know, typically if we look at a slightly more traditional job for life approach, you know, that that tends to result in a whole range of behaviours. So everything from how employees are inducted, everything from what training they're allowed to have, um, how they are going to be managed, what promotions they can get, what what they are failing to display in order to get that promotion. It very much that that very much represents a relationship where the organisation is responsible for that individual's future career which again, I think is kind of misguided because you end up then in a position where people might be in their 50s or 60s thinking, well, okay, well, what's next? You know, what's next on my career path, please? Yeah. Father organization. Whereas actually, I think organizations probably want to do a better job of saying to people, this is your career. We probably can't offer you a job for life now that your working life is going to extend into your 70s. Um, but what's more, people's values and motivations change throughout their lives. Yeah. So it, it really isn't a job for a business to to predict that or control it. I think it's a far better a far better approach would be for organisations to take a position, um, which is to say that the individual is responsible for their career and then to support it. So, for mm -hmm. example, you know, to allow them time off in their working year to go and explore other options, 
you know, there are plenty of organizations that do that. Google being one, Airbnb being another, Monzo Bank, one of the challenges, um, you know, where they will actually say to people, look, your, your career is your path. That's up to you to manage. So we'll give you the time off and we'll celebrate your success when you do well. If you're going to start and launch a startup, we'll put you in the newsletter. We'll give you some advice. We'll talk to you about how you code it. You know, it's, it's very much that attitude of helping and supporting as opposed to leading and directing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back a bit to, to how you're getting all this done, because we've talked about you working in with two different organisations, your own and the, the BPS. And um, before we came uh, on air, we were laughing about uh, all the tech that keeps getting talked about on the show. <laughs> and uh, like Paula, who recommended you to me, I think you prefer paper, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, I'm probably a bit traditionalist myself. It's not to mean that I haven't tried things. I have to say, I mean, yeah. when I was getting my website developed, I did use a Slack channel with the developers. But I mean, honestly, I just didn't find it as helpful as yeah. literally getting on the phone sometimes and just, you know, mm. occasionally firing the odd rocket, but in the nicest, most personable manner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and for my own, just sometimes having a, you know, a spreadsheet of, you know, some of the outstanding to-do items and things to catch up on. Um, Google yeah. Sheets, I think, is wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, Dropbox is another tool, you know, but there's not, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm out there in utilising the most up-to-date and most recent technology. I might have dabbled with it. I know yeah. I've been on Basecamp for a while with the ABP, but, you know, do I mm -hmm. use them all the time religiously? Not really. I tend to revert back to what I'm familiar with. Mm, mm. I just called it the BPS, didn't I? Who were they? Yeah, it's <laughs> the British Psychological Society. But we're very close to them. We're very close oh, and very close. You share a few letters with them. <laughs> yeah, we're not confused. <laughs> yes, I'll uh, I'll uh, remember to get that right the next time I mention it. Um, so yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I sort of um, I look at sometimes at uh, these lovely. Uh, planning systems that, are, that seem to be all the rage at the moment you know uh, a lot of the gurus are creating their own version mm -hmm. and one of our guests um uh, I've just completely forgotten her name I'm doing well on uh, remembering things today uh, <laughs> uh I can't remember her name at the moment but one of our guests from uh, many shows ago uh, has her own um the ultimate diary planner is the name of the product even though I've just for one moment forgotten her name uh and I look at them I just think oh they look so cool and you know like 20 years ago, they would have been like, I'd have tried them all. Whereas because I use so much technology now, I know that that's, that works for me and I'm not going to go off and try them. But it's still something about that, you know, that touch and feel of, and in fact, um, I've still forgotten her name, Ultimate Diary Planner Lady, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. created something called the Minerva Notebook um, a year or so ago. And I and I ordered that through Kickstarter because I, I thought, oh, it is something that I could actually have, you know, with a pen and touch. And it's really lovely, but it's just blank pages. So it's, it's not replacing, uh, you know, systems and processes that I've already got through technology. But, it, you know, but it is giving me that opportunity to to, to be old school and, and enjoy it. But then I was looking the other day about um, you can get uh, books. I was talking, in fact, to again a, a future show guest. Uh, I was talking with her the other day about how you can uh, write in books and then get them automatically uploaded into an app and, and that sort of thing. So you can, you know, handwrite, but it still becomes technology sort of driven in the end sort of thing. So I guess it's, yeah. you know, like I say a lot, it's, it's all personalised nowadays, isn't it? We can pick and choose and find the thing that suits us best. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, you're you're right. And everyone, I mean, people do learn in slightly different ways. And, you know, certainly there's so much to be said for the fact that, you know, if I've written da- something down, I'm I'm kind of creating a memory that's physical as opposed as opposed to it mm-hmm. just being something in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but then then it's also visual because whenever I open my diary, for example, you're then looking at something. So, you know, half the time I might forget what I'm doing, but I know on Thursday I've got something there because I can see the page visually in my head where I wrote a couple of things down. I mean, it is just, it is quite helpful for how, you know, we've evolved to to learn how to do things. Yes, you know, yeah. sometimes, sometimes we can overcomplicate things. Yeah, no, I agree. It's funny, you keep saying things that prompt little memories. That's another memory of mine. I did a, a German exam once and we were told to write Überquerend, cross over the road, I think it is, at the top of our exercise book because we'd need it in the exam and we hadn't learned it before that particular day. And you can imagine what happened. I got to the exam, I sat in the exam, I could picture the page and I could picture the writing at the top of the page, but I couldn't actually read it or remember what the word was. <laughs> I knew something was there. Exactly. <laughs> if you out a couple more times, I bet you'd remember it. Well, yeah, exactly. There we go. So you talked about um, learning and different styles for that. How do you learn and, and sort of ensure that you're sort of improving yourself as you move forward? Um. I think I think it is the best. I mean, honestly, the best thing I do is being a member of the ABP um, mm-hmm. because there is I do get so much out of it. It is ridiculous how much you can pick up, for example, in a two day conference, because, you know, you tend if you've got four streams running, you can tend to go and listen to the talks that you want to listen to. You know, somebody else has already done the hard work of screening the talks in the ones that got more most evidence behind them you know those sorts of things so it's just it's just two days of an entire geek fix if you like which is digesting articles and research journals and research work and whatever else but more importantly you know quite a lot of the time in the sessions themselves there's the interactive nature of what did you think of that well I think that's right well that's a really interesting point of view um I did that before but actually it didn't work or and so all of that opportunity for interaction not only gives you a chance to learn some of the content, but then to engage with it. And I think mm-hmm. you, the other thing that you start to get is then the sort of subliminal messages. So, you know, if you've got four streams going on and there's one that's a talk about social mobility and there's one that's a case study and something else and something else. If the talk that's about social mobility is packed out, that also tells you something about the popularity of the subject or, you know, how hot a topic might be, which, again, in terms of keeping a pulse on what's happening in your industry is something that's just really hard to gauge from almost any other measure. Mm-hmm. You know, the reactions of people's faces when when somebody's saying things, um, you know, it can be hugely enlightening. You know, I, I know yeah. for a fact, if I go to other people's events and conferences, you know, I've, I get a huge amount out of just sort of sometimes hearing the reactions of people because half the time I'm thinking, well, there's someone I want to have as a speaker of mine. Um, <laughs> So I just think things like that are really, really informative. And so, I mean, for me personally, I I can think through an idea in a bath or on a walk, but it's really through the dialogue process of having people say to me, you know what, that's a really terrible idea, or you haven't thought of this, or you haven't thought of that. And what that does is it really then helps to refine something. Um, Mm -hmm. So for me, opportunities to learn, because I guess I'm also quite extroverted, tend to be ones where I have a chance to talk to people who are smarter than me, who are more intelligent in certain fields and have more of a researched grasp on what it is that they're looking at. That for me is gold dust. So I do, I will throw myself out there and I do go to quite a few events 
Um, you know, this is HR, Google Campus do quite a few. Um, I've gone to engage employee events. Obviously, I've got the ABP. There's also the AI and social robotics stream that I've helped out with. So I, I, I honestly think there are so many, there are thousands of things out there. I mean, Eventbrite's got hundreds of thousands. There's even a couple of meetups that are not bad. Um, but actually just getting out there is really probably one of the best ways to keep yourself current. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Lovely, thank you. So what about on those days where things don't go right? I'm, I, by the way, I'm expecting a sort of psychological answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> How do you, you know, a real sort of theory into practice, you know, very uh, educated. So anyway, <laughs> you can say what you like. What what happens if it, if it all goes horribly wrong and you have a bad day? What do you what do? You do? Um, well, really, I mean, I just chalk it up to experience. I think I think there's a huge danger now in, in a world of sort of social media with so many positive messages being, you know, kind of planted left, right and centre. I think one of the biggest dangers that people have is a mismatch of expectations versus the reality. So mm-hmm. um, I, mean, I think I think when you run a startup, I'd say nine days out of 10 are bad days because you get rejection here, rejection there. I can send off 10 emails, get none of them have a response back. Um, so, I mean, actually now, I would say I've got an unbelievably thick skin. I mean, you can say what you like about my ideas and my, my, my website. I will listen to them, um, but I don't necessarily take it personally. And I, I think having a huge amount of disappointments and having a lot of failures and a lot of rejections is actually really, I mean, ultimately, it's quite a positive thing. Um, mm. And it, it does help to keep things in perspective. You know, you do start to learn that these things are not necessarily personal. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's an approach. I think it, it's certainly a mindset that's actually one of failure is is really quite a good thing. And it's not a bad thing. And I, I don't mind failing because every time I do something bad, I do tend to think, OK, well, that's something I've learned not to do. And I think mm. that is the right way of going about it. I mean, I have to say I'm still here and I'm still going. So I might be stupid, but at least I'm living in an ignorance is bliss world. <laughs> so let's flip it on to one of those days so the the one out of ten <laughs> well no so when you've ended the day well, you've ended the day knowing that you've had the chance to live more so it's not necessarily you know through a work thing being a good day mm. but you know where you've got to do the things that you want to do what have you done what does that day look like um I've probably I've probably been at a conference speaking I have to say I do I do enjoy a bit of public speaking and I think mm. A lot of the time, the sort of things that I say to do tend to challenge and do tend to bust a few myths. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always quite confident doing it because I never I never really spout stuff that's just my thinking. I'm not sort of there saying this is my opinion. People listen to my thoughts. It tends to be actually this is what the research and this is what the evidence says. But that's not what you're doing. And so that's that's a much more powerful. And it's a much stronger position to talk from. Um, yeah. So actually, I quite like a bit of a debate. I quite like a bit of a robust discussion. And if I've had a day where I've had a chance to shake things up a little, where I've had a bit of a robust debate, where I've had some slight challenging discussion, those honestly do tend to be the sorts of days where I come away the high, you know, on on my highest buzz because, mm. you know, if nothing else, I'm engaged. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah. you can't you can't fail to be engaged if you're if you're debating, you're engaged. Hmm. Mm yeah lovely thank you so it's been really good talking to you one of one of the um last questions is usually how can people find out more about you Uh, it's a Mm. slightly bigger question with you what about if people want to find their own shadowing opportunities so to 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 look at what uh, they might do in the future how how can they go about doing that um well I, i think 
Well, number number one, they have to go out there and ask for them. Um, I would actually sort of say to people, maybe not always to use friends and family. So let, let's say your aunt is doing a job you really like the sound of, maybe talking to your aunt about how much they earn and what they pay their staff and running through a business plan with them. It, you know, it can sometimes be a bit too personal and a bit too close. Whereas um, I do I do tend to think that if you are contacting a business or you know, that's that's far outside of your own comfort zone. So let's say I do want to set up a floristry business, for, just as an example. You know, I'm based in Barnes. There's no point in me going and shadowing a business in Barnes because they'll be incredibly wary of the fact that I also live here and they won't want me to open up next to them. So they're going to be closed and they're not going to share a huge amount. And I, yeah. and I do think that this is a decision that may affect the rest of your life. So you probably should travel a bit. Um, so shadow the business that is right for you to shadow. Don't shadow the one that's most convenient for your location. So, or I guess just, that the, be- just the one that says yes as well. I, mean, I guess that could be sometimes the issue, as you say, your aunt will help you. It'll be a bit harder to go out there and ask somebody else. Yes, you are absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I and it kind of comes comes back to that point about you know unless you've approached ten businesses. Mm. Um, you know, you're not trying hard enough because you will get a number of rejections and that's absolutely fine. That's that that is the reality. I've done it. I've done it hundreds of times now. Um, so that is the reality. It's not personal. You just have to have the confidence to know that it isn't personal. You just need to keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think being mindful of the fact that you need to probably take things like a non-disclosure agreement, which you can download for free off the Internet letting people know where you live so that you're not a competitor because you're approaching people that are outside of your you know where it is you're intending to set up mm-hmm. um, so non-disclosure agreements these sorts of things you can download offline non-compete agreements again you can download off the internet and I and I definitely say you should probably offer to pay someone for their time I mean you know if you're gonna you're wanting to run a yoga business or, or whatever it might be um, you know taking up a couple of hours of somebody's time is a big opportunity cost for them so if you can compensate them for that I think that's that's certainly reasonable and it's certainly fair you know I mean I think you wouldn't necessarily ask a solicitor for just free advice and pick their brains for a cup of coffee um, and I think you probably have to take I think we need to kind of have a slightly different approach to this as in yeah. you know we'll, we'll happily spend £25,000 on a on a course for three years but we won't spend maybe 200 quid on someone who can genuinely help us, but is going to have to give up a significant amount of time in order to be able to give us the insight we need. I think we should be prepared to pay for that. Yes. Um, yeah. But that's, I mean, those are the kind of the main things I would say. So, I mean, you know, use your network, but with caution, you know, maybe friends of friends type of thing might be better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but all, all those sort of various bits. Yeah. Lovely. And if people want to to get involved in in Vivo, who who would they be? So who are you looking to get involved and and what do they need to do? Oh, yeah. Good question. Um, So, I mean, my two main criteria for being involved is, number one, you have to be good at what you do. So have a reputation in your industry. Ideally, you've had an award or something similar. You've got some sort of recognition. Um, if it's an industry that's regulated, so for example, you know, sur- surveyors are chartered, they have a chartership body, things like architecture as well, you know, you'll be on a register of, you know, regulated chartered professionals. Um, yeah. So if you're in one of those industries, then you do need to be on one of those sorts of registers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the last thing is you actually really have to enjoy what it is that you do. I don't think you can be an inspiration or a help to other people if you're miserable in the <laughs> Um, you can imagine how that would go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to say, I, mean, I think most people who tend to get involved, they get it. You know, they they want to help other people. There might be a cost to their time, so maybe they charge for it. But 
you know, quite a few people do do it for free, but then they're still making a charge. But then that's money that's going to charity. So, I mean, driving all of it has got to be that you do want to help people. Yes. Yeah. And then the people who benefit from that. So your, I guess your customers or I don't know how you would define them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, customers, there isn't any criteria really around being a customer other than they have to be over the age of 16 because I don't okay. insist that mm-hmm. the experts have, um, you know, DBS checks or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, Lovely. So, so to then close that off, how can people contact you? <laughs> um, best way to get in touch with me is my email address, which is lucy at vivo.com. And vivo stands for view a vocation, which is kind of an explanation for the name. So it's V I E W V O. Um, or my mobile number, which is 07979608274. Lovely. Thanks, Lucy. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much, Joe. It's been fun. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to the website link powertolivemore.com forward slash in this case 93. And on last week's newsletter, I shared a, um, it's not really a separate app, but a a part of an app that I've recently discovered. So I subscribed to a magazine that provides learning and hints and tips about Apple devices. And I was reading about the Photos app and I take quite a lot of photos on my iPhone and I sort of know what I'm doing with the app. But the article pointed me at the For You section. That's one of the new options at the bottom. So I think it's the second one in from the left. And it actually selects photos by location. It suggests photos that you might want to be reminded of, for example, this time last year, uh, or it uh, curates images into locations. So if you've been on holiday, it'll put all of the photos that came from that particular location into uh, one place. And it also suggests images that you could edit in various ways. Um, So I, I found it really interesting to look at it and it's not something I'd particularly noticed when the latest upgrade happened and that option became available Uh, so if you have got an iPhone have a look uh, at the photos section as I say for the for you section and uh, see what you can find as I've said over the last few weeks I am doing a survey aimed at home-based consultants and coaches and I'd really love it if you could share it and and obviously answer it if you've uh, if you've not already done so Uh, if you could ask people that you know who are home-based coaches or consultants to go to powertolivemore.com forward slash survey then I'd really appreciate it and they can get access to my ebook organizing your home office and again the show notes for this week's show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 93 and we look forward to speaking to you next week use your power to live more